Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we are very, very much grizzled YouTube veterans who have built many YouTube channels over the years, managed YouTube networks, and helped to generate millions, if not billions of views. Actually, yeah, uh, confirming that, billions of views. Definitely billions. Yeah, for our creators and clients and employers. <laughs> and on this podcast, we're going to share with you some tips and insights to help you run your YouTube channels and your YouTube businesses, and also take you behind the scenes of what it's like to work in the YouTube and online video industry. What's the word on the streets this week, Carlos? Oh, the word on the street is, as usual, the weather is actually pretty good these days. <laughs> oh, I knew. The return of weather, hashtag weather chat. Well, again, I have to stick with uh, the tradition. I mean, for us, you know, in Canada, it's it's like the first thing everybody thinks about all the time because it changes so much. You know, you, you're in you're in London where it's literally the same all the time. You know, it's rainy, it's drizzly, and you don't need to talk about it. Whereas us, you know, it can change from morning to night, from one day to the next. So it's always on our minds. Well, I would call you racist, <laughs> but... Uh... It is very grey and very drizzly today, so you're you're safe for one one more week. You're safe on the weather chat. How about life at uh, Truly? It's been a roller coaster spring. Lots of new clients. Actually, one of the things, one of the trends that I keep running against these days is traditional television personalities coming to me and trying to get into this space. Every single time, I'm like, okay, well. I'm not going to be your production company. <laughs> like, I'm not going to yeah. do that. And it's like, they come to me and they're like, oh, I lost my job and I'm no longer ex-TV host for this type of, you know, television stuff. And I was like, yeah, you start doing stuff. And uh, it's always the same story. It's just, you know, like it, it's, it's, I get these meeting requests all the time from pretty big television personalities. I think there's an opportunity there, but... At the same time, it's like I can only do so much, right? And and it, it's not sustainable for a production company to, or even a company like myself to just you know drop everything and just start you know creating YouTube channels for these type of you know personalities who have some clout, but. I just don't think, you know, like it's really tough to, to get them to understand how YouTubers work. And I think it should be a subject that we can talk about for a future episode, but that's a little bit of my reality these days. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. What kind of content do they want to make or do they not have a clue? That's, 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 again, that's the issue here, right? And, um, yeah. And again, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but I think we've just found a great subject to talk about for uh, another episode that I hadn't even thought about. How about yourself, Tom? How are things? Yeah. Um, so last time we spoke, I think I said I was just on the verge of launching a brand new top secret YouTube channel. Well, shock horror. That's not been launched. <laughs> <quite yet. laughs> um Client work has been keeping me extremely busy and shows no signs of stopping. Um, but I am hoping to launch that channel next week. So next time we record, Carlos, I still won't be able to tell you what the channel is, but I will be able to tell you that it's launched. Uh, and also by the next time we speak, my course will be public and available for all of the good listeners to go and check out. And just a reminder, that's all around 
uh, keyword research and building a keyword research system to help you grow your channel or channels. And you can find more about that at channelfield.co forward slash. Awesome. And uh, just just as a, a little bit of a humble brag um, in terms of uh, keyword research, uh, about just over two weeks ago, I was in uh, Victoria, BC at a social media camp, and I had the chance to um, have a great conversation with Rand Fishkin, oh. founder, CEO of, of Moz, which is the sort of like the mecca of... SEO and like he's been one of the the the, the founders or almost like initial evangelists of of the yeah the, the godfather of yeah one of the yeah and of um, unfortunately I didn't interview him for this podcast I interviewed him for our Anatomy of a Strategy podcast it was really interesting and we talked about his new startup and as well as his book which is a really really great book actually I would highly recommend uh, reading it it's called Lost and Founder it's about his experience on founding a company and the venture capitalist ecosystem and how that's kind of messed up <laughs> all right so um, before we get started uh, let's talk about how or who supports this show. Uh, TubeBuddy uh, has been our founding sponsor since we started this show, and we cannot thank them enough. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators. It helps them streamline their daily workflow, allows more time for you to manage your content. It's an awesome uh, extension that you can add to your uh, web browser. It also has a mobile app. Um, it, it's not just for creators, brands and agencies can really use this tool to help them manage their YouTube channels and help manage multiple YouTube channels. And speaking of multiple YouTube channels, you can get a multi-channel license with an exclusive discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Okay, so what are we talking about this week, Carlos? Well, uh, if you haven't guessed by the title of the podcast, <laughs> we're getting into analyzing or trying to understand what the bleep is quality watch time. It came into the news uh, in April and you know we wanted to talk about like a little bit of what's been talked about and also what we think it is just to give you a little bit of a, of an insight you know we all know that over the last 6 months or even the last year YouTube's been on a more of a little bit of a, a PR crisis in terms of like the type of content that's bubbling up, the conspiracy stuff, and uh, you know, social media in general is not going through the best of times. Even though YouTube is a video platform, it has a lot of social uh, social media sort of uh, like you know uh, parts to it. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to make sure that the right type of content and safe content is being watched. And also that brands, their ads appear on, on content that they want their ads to appear. YouTube's trying to find ways to do this, and it's, it's just still not very clear. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, so in the last week or so, um, YouTube posted a blog on their YouTube Create a Blog by Susan Wojcicki. Apologies for butchering that pronunciation. Um, but their number one priority going forward, at least for the rest of the year, she said, was to be accountable to the responsibility that they have to their community and to their audiences and 
obviously to their to our advertisers advertising yes. their advertisers yeah who are i suppose their yeah. their biggest and most important client so the fact that that's their number one priority over anything else they mentioned in terms of monetization or new features or you know any of their new originals that they're announcing or not really shows that this is their number one priority so let's have a quick look so there was an um, an article published on bloomberg news a couple of weeks ago so i'm just mm-hmm. going to read a quick comment from that um, just so we can tell you exactly what we're referring to um, when we're talking about this news that broke recently in this bloomberg article it talks about two main metrics um, that YouTube are going to really hold above all else going forward. One, uh, it says tracks the total time people spend on YouTube. So session time, which is something that we have been talking about for years and years, Carlos, which has never really been spoken about a huge amount by others. And it's not something you can track in YouTube analytics. But more importantly, according to the article, the other is a measurement called inverted commas quality watch time which it says is a squishier which is a great word statistic (laughs) with the noble goal to spot content that achieves something more constructive than just keeping users glued to their phones so that seems pretty straightforward but really it's such such a loaded name Mm -hmm. quality watch time so in your opinion carlos what is quality watch time or the fact that it's not been announced or even from the article, it hasn't even been decided how it's going to be worked out. What do we think quality watch time will be? Hmm. Um, I've been thinking about this for the past little while and I think it's going to have to be, um, man, it's, it's going to have to be based on probably key, almost vetted users, right? Like people who have, uh, accounts that are a little bit more robust, not just like your Fortnite fan 2017 account that was created six months ago or t- two weeks ago, and maybe identify who's watching or the accounts that are watching and scrape, you know, like uh, the way YouTube sort of like maybe anonymously does it, but you know, uh, looks at, okay, this account has watched, uh, what has watched in the past, how it's commented, uh, how it uh, interacts within the, the ecosystem and say, okay, well, you know, this video is attracting these types of people who are technically quality audiences. You know, they're not just a troll coming in and wanting to create trouble. And obviously, if if some, even with somebody like myself, who's been on the platform for, you know, over 10 years, if I'm a troll or if I'm, all my comments are like downvoted or stuff like that, like maybe it's, that's where I think it's, it's probably going to be the, the best way for them to measure because all the other ways, like, you know, watching multiple videos is already being measured in other ways. So that's what I think they're going to probably go towards. And as well as, you know, and I'll let you get dump into it and, and almost like, you know, reconfirm what we've talked about in the past is uh the type of content they're watching if they're watching full-on tv shows movies and and all that sort of stuff around uh, the ecosystem uh how about yourself yeah so i posted on uh linkedin as soon as i saw this news uh and i got a really strong reaction actually a lot of comments people that we know and respect weighing in on this issue people like jeremy vest and Tolis Dokianos, 
that was my Greek pronunciation there. Um, Dan Courier from Creator Fundamentals. I think overall it's going to go back to what I predicted in episode two of our podcast, um, which you can go and find, which was our predictions for 2019 on YouTube, which was the move towards more air quotes, official content. So TV content, movie content, but not only that, it's that content that's posted by official channels uh, and likely channels that belong inside of a YouTube CMS. Again, if you don't know what CMS, check out our previous episode on what YouTube CMS is. Um, So almost like you say, vetted users, at least to start off with like whitelisted users, preferred partners, trusted partners, big media companies like the BBC, big news outlets, and then big entertainment brands like Jimmy Fallon, stuff like that. And then I think also, could it relate to genre? So how-to content, is that much more likely to be favored than the more kind of disposable uh, entertainment Mm -hmm. content? What about um, their big preferred, you know, YouTube stars, like people like Dude Perfect, you know, that's amazing videos, but is it making a dent in the world? Is it making the world a better place? Uh, And are they going to turn their backs on their kind of – their poster children because they're not necessarily providing quality content. And I think this brings up the absolute biggest issue is who decides what quality is and how do you measure it? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a bit worrisome if you, if it goes that way, just because over the last few years, it, it feels like, you know, the, 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 the startup creators just being put more and more things in front of them, more and more obstacles in front of them to, you know, grow and make money and get quality views and all that sort of stuff. And part of me doesn't like it, but also part of me thinks it's necessary because, you know, there is a lot of crap and it, it does take a lot of time and effort to become vetted. The reason why these platforms have to do this is because they put the bar so low before, right? It was like anybody can start creating content and build an audience and blah, 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 blah. And which was great. Part of me loves that. But at the same time, we're learning now that it also breeds a, a, a type of creator that is not great for society in general. And it encourages content that just, you know, creates strife and hurts our society in general. Again, I'm not passing judgment on, on these types of contents. It's not the type of content I want to watch. But, you know, when you hear stories of like, you know, the algorithm consistently, if you let it go and you just watch, you know, what videos are being suggested, you could be starting watching how-to videos and then like five videos in, if you let YouTube be the sort of guide, all of a sudden you end up with the conspiracy videos. And I'm like, how the hell does that happen? And, and obviously, the people creating these conspiracy videos uh, understand you know, how to optimize the content so that it starts getting suggested. And obviously, we need to find ways to prevent that from happening. Yeah, and I also think about the question, you know, are they going to almost bite the hand that feeds them in, in some of the biggest genres? You know, mm-hmm. is gaming quality, you know, what percentage of YouTube videos are gaming videos? I've got a guess. 30% of the entire platform is gaming videos. Wow, that's a big guess. <laughs> that's a big guess. It's, it's not t- entirely plucked out of the air. 
I think at one point back in 2012, Minecraft alone accounted for about 30% of every video on YouTube. That's obviously a trend that's died a little bit. But when you think about Fortnite and FIFA and all the other games in between in that spectrum, um, it's got to be a huge chunk. Again, like we can get into a tangent about video game things. The the the, the issue, the reason why it becomes such a huge uh, sort of like um, uh, percentage there is just because it's like you just press a button and all of a sudden you're streaming. So like when you know you have hundreds of millions of people with streaming yeah. machines, obviously it's going to take a big uh, a big chunk of that per- that that uh, you know the percentage of of videos being created out there. But you're right. At the end of the day, like there's also a glut of that type of content, right? Like YouTube probably does. Does not want i mean they love the gaming industry and they love the gaming content but you know like there's a lot of other brands out there that do not want to be in front of video game content i for one when i buy youtube ads for my clients i actually click off that button so that hey i'm not in live streams and i'm also not in video game content just because it's just you know a lot of it 90 you know i, I would Again, this is a complete guess, but I would say 99% of it is complete, you know, a waste and, you know, content content that no brand wants to be, not a lot of brands want to be associated with, you know, like it's, it's kids talking rough. Anybody who's played video games knows how people talk online, you know, and often the content, the majority of these video games are violent. So anyways, we can get into a tangent with that one, but. Yeah, I I think you raise a great point that ultimately this is the issue, isn't it? It's. A lot of that content is unknown, unregulated, unchecked, untested. You know, it doesn't go for a, any kind of filter before it gets published, apart from maybe for like swearing and really graphic violence or porn. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's video game footage with someone talking over it. It could contain racism. It could contain homophobia. It could. Uh, you know, right-wing extremism or any other kind of extremism. And this is what the ultimate issue comes down to and why YouTube would introduce this. And it's the same reason that they've introduced all of the demonetization stuff. It's why they've taken away comments on, like, children's content and family channel content is because it's a risk to advertisers. And advertisers ultimately keep the lights on. So... You can understand why they would work towards introducing this quality metric so that they can say that we can guarantee that your ads will only place against quality, trusted, vetted content, uh, and which is what makes me think again and again that it's going to be established TV and media companies that are going to win out of this. And whether that's fair or not, I'm not to say, um, but it is, you know, the most logical step. And so even on, um, like I said, when I posted this on LinkedIn, there were some mixed reactions. Jeremy Vest, who we know is an industry legend, says he doesn't think they have much choice if they want to make money um, from ads long term, which is kind of where I fall. And then you've got other people saying that it really just favors media, big traditional media outlets and forgets the kind of common creator so it's and then someone's saying that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and it will it will hugely impact the growing of kind of independent channels so there's a there's a range of opinions all of them have got a fair point i would say and i would say that i agree with both but at the same time if you ask me if it was my business 
I'd probably take those same steps that YouTube are taking. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I think we've seen over the years that, you know, even though the, the, the internet allows everybody to have a voice, sometimes these tools that we give everybody are a little bit too, well, they've become too powerful. You know, one of the examples I remember hearing a couple of weeks ago is an article that Facebook is going to start thinking about ways to limit live streaming and not just give it to everybody. And that, that to me, live streaming is one of those things where, you know, in the past you had to spend some money to live stream correctly. And when it became this thing that you can do on any, anywhere, like, you know, what, what's the first thing that happened on, on Facebook? Well, you know, within months or within weeks of it starting on Facebook, you heard stories of people creating crimes and doing unspeakable things and live streaming it. Anybody who's smart in this ecosystem knows that that's going to happen. So at the end of the day, you sort of need barriers in this ecosystem to sort of like to vet the people, to vet the creators that are, you know, in here, in here for the right reasons. And the right reasons are all different. Like I want everybody to have a voice, but, you know, there's also like, you know, it's, it's just you know, all this noise that we've let everybody make is actually not helping many of us. And, you know, like it's, I I feel like I'm getting into a tangent on this stuff, but I do think that, you know, when you've made, you made it too easy for everybody to broadcast themselves and, and without really learning or without really understanding how to, how the system works or just, you know, for, nefarious reasons you get into problems very quickly so anyways yeah uh, i think i think that's a really a, a really salient point and you know youtube really broke down the barriers of who could live stream um and now um they've put those barriers back up to a certain extent and since we've last uh, recorded an episode they've they've put the limit of um a thousand subscribers if you want to um live stream from mobile now so you can't just start an account and live stream from mobile to stop i suppose new accounts you know live streaming like you say kind of heinous acts or whatever it may be um we're kind of talking about quality watch time as if it's uh you know it's something that's coming in the future we're kind of guessing what it is but something that i hadn't even really considered until this discussion which is pretty cool is that it kind of already exists because you have to reach 4,000 hours of watch time and 1,000 subscribers to get into the partner program, but you don't automatically get into the partner program when you hit that limit. Mm -hmm. You still have to go through a human review. And so even though it may not be a kind of definable metric, the concept already exists. So when you hit that threshold, you apply to become part of the partner program and then someone looks at it and says, you're not really suitable for advertising. So this is not necessarily a new concept, but maybe the way it manifests itself on the platform um, will have an effect. For example, how will it affect people that are already in the partner program and collecting a healthy monetization check? what will happen to them if their genre or their specific content is deemed as uh, not being quality. I can totally, you know, attest to this where here's the thing. 
when YouTube came into the market, and I, I think I've said this before in, in previous episodes, is that YouTube was considered the bottom of the barrel when you were spending money in advertising. You would buy pre-rolls on MSN back in the day when MSN was a thing. Everybody still buys pre-rolls on other websites uh, that host their own videos. But YouTube was sort of like this, sort of like, oh, I have an extra $1,000 from leftover from my $2 million campaign, I'll just throw it on YouTube, right? And the CPMs were so low that you didn't really care as a marketer. I think that has improved over the years, but it's still it's still kind of the same. It's still perceived that way. You, you know, marketers still think of website uh, hosted or, you know, other independent publishing hosted a video as premium. Uh, you know, all these changes that YouTube is going to make, it means that, you know, the channels that are established or to prove themselves are probably going to start seeing CPMs and going higher for them. The ones that don't and don't have, you know, aren't vetted or just aren't considered a quality watch time will have, will stay the same or will, you know, will drop. That's just going to be it. The only way you can upgrade is by making the quality content that is vetted for quality and obviously for for brand safety, right? And brands will pay premiums to be in front of safe content. And so even if you are a, let's say in the future, there are these whitelisted channels that are pre-vetted, pre-approved, there's nothing to stop them then kind of once they're in this like safe zone, starting to publish content that may not be quality according to these new benchmarks so for me youtube's biggest challenge is going to be measurement whether you're a pre-vetted channel or not because then no, there's no way they can get a human to watch every single video that's ever published on the platform and so then you're talking about relying on machines machine learning and algorithm and we all know they can take a very long time to get all the bugs out of their system to run smoothly. And there's always going to be, you know, Daryl Eves talks about the danger of false positives and stuff like that. How do you think if this is brought in as like a whole scale uh, system or metric, how do you think that YouTube will handle or could handle the issue of, of measuring what is quality. I think it'll probably be 15 different signals from people uh, liking, unliking, uh, reporting, you know, watching whole, the whole thing or even like sharing it. Like the, the whole gamut of interactions that people can do within uh, within content and how that evolves every creator has 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 made a video or every publisher has released a video that doesn't work well or like you know all of a sudden gets a lot more dislikes than others and you know one or two probably is fine and then after a while if they start seeing a channel that gets it consistently well then things start, you know, flags start being raised internally. And then, uh, you know, the channel probably gets some sort of like internal review at that point. That's, I just feel like it can't be just one thing. It's not, you know, uh, this ecosystem that YouTube's trying to build that's trying to, you know, going after TV, but at the same time, so much more engaged or so much more social than TV cannot be measured just with one metric, right? Just, just one thing that, you know, and can't be blanket approved and then be completely forgotten, you know, like, uh, or not 
you know, paid attention to for, you know, years on end. It has to be consistent and people have to be like constantly paying attention to it. That's, it's, it's sort of like, I feel like it's a non-answer, but it's, it's really tough to answer this one. Yeah, I think as well, you know, an audience's reaction to a piece of content doesn't necessarily answer that question of, is it quote unquote quality or not? Because is it quality in terms of this is a great video? Because a lot of people would say that a Logan Paul mm-hmm. video is great quality um, in terms of how many views, shares, likes, dislikes it gets or not. But if they're talking more about content that is responsible, and I think what they're talking about there is also provides some value that kind of, you know, in a broader sense, makes the world a better place and educates the viewer more than just kind of disposable entertainment, then that's a lot more difficult to measure. Yeah. I don't think we're going to answer that question, but what I think this brings up is that that's going to be a huge challenge for, for YouTube and Google and Alphabet in, in the, the, the coming year or so as they develop that as a metric. So moving on before we kind of wrap up, you know, if someone's at, at home or and they're, you know, they're not a media company that's kind of licking their lips and waiting for the CPMs to rise, um, they're an independent creator or maybe they are working in a media company, but they're working with kind of more uh, disposable or, you know, more entertainment and less highbrow content. How do you plan for this kind of coming wave of the kind of uh, – quality police coming what what can we do that is you know actionable what steps can we take to make sure that we're not going to lose out let's focus on uh the creator who's trying to do good here or trying to sort of help people the people we work with or the clients we work with are, are not trying to hurt the platform or trying to embellish the platform or make it better so that's the audience we're speaking to here so i would say pay attention to how people are are, are interacting with your content if they're giving you good feedback the only metric that at, at, that's right there that you can look at right now is watch time that's still you know that's the most public metric quality metric that we can sort of like look at right now i i hate you know like i'm not gonna name the client but i do have a client that like creates amazingly high quality videos in terms of like being really useful for a very specific audience you know it's taking them to if they're going on year three now of creating content every two weeks on each channel and like some of their channels are blowing up and they're starting to get really quality comments the consistency is is one of those things that quality and consistency i think that's the the only thing that i can sort of like recommend at this point and just being aware of what people are doing with your content how they're consuming it how they're appreciating it those are all the things that will help you in the long run back to the what we were talking about earlier when i was you know talking to people from television industry who are trying to get in or trying to get into this space uh you know i tell them it's like you should have started five years ago right you would have had a way more mm-hmm. knowledge by this time that's one of the things that creators have is they have that data that they can really look at and and and, and improve on and make sure that hey people are watching this and they're watching it for a long time they're commenting positively those are the indicators we have right now access to to measure our version of quality watch time what do you think 
Yeah, I totally agree. And what I would say is um, if you've already got a channel that is established and is kind of sits in one of these niches where, you know, it's not necessarily like highbrow or doesn't have a great educational value or isn't kind of spreading a message to, you know, build a better world or whatever you want to say, I wouldn't say just, you know, throw away the channel and give up, but maybe, you know, try and clean up a little bit, maybe become a little bit more family friendly or, you know, think about ways which you can diversify your income uh, off of YouTube, which you should probably be doing already. But what we're not saying is that, you know, YouTube is going to start to delete channels and just kick people out of the partner program. We don't know for sure, but what we can say, at least from what the article says, and it, and the, this comes from an insider, is that this new measurement will help the way, and quote, help dictate how YouTube surfaces videos in search results, runs ads, and pays the creators who make videos. So it will have an effect on you know the most important factors on the platform. So what I would say is if you're at the really early stages of a YouTube channel or you're starting a brand new YouTube channel, I'd say make sure you're starting it within a vertical, which would be super advertiser friendly. So yeah, so like more educational, more how-to, less sensational, uh, more delivering value and, you know, especially – I think what's going to be more and more important is that it's kind of positive in a kind of social worldview. So, you know, not negative or hateful, you know, basically saying, are you bringing value to the wider YouTube community and are you helping to make the world a shinier, happier place? Whether I agree with whether or not YouTube should be doing that or not is another thing, but I think that's what makes sense. And that's what I would do if I was starting a channel tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the right right way to think about it. And you know, you worked in this space as well. But like, you know, I worked in a space where we were creating children's programming. That is a world that's highly regulated. When I was uh, at the media companies I was working at, and I would talk about like how YouTube's this free for all, and anybody can create content. The looks of shock <laughs> that I would get from traditional TV people is like, wait, you're putting kids yeah. on on screen, and you know it's nothing's controlled i was like at the time me not knowing any better i just you know didn't think about it too much but as time has gone on realizing that has been a really sort of like scary thing for the industry and a a bad thing that youtube just let go and you know uh, i often you know, very much uh, applaud friends of mine, the AB family who are here in Toronto, who take this space very responsibly and do not, you know, sort of take advantage of their, they, they started family, you know, with a family ecosystem, but they quickly sort of stopped, you know, like not being a family vlogging and just you know like not bringing the, you know the personal lives into this ecosystem and we've seen what's happened with family vlogging and like the negative effects and why you know it's not just that people don't have like good intentions is that there's a lot of people that have the wrong intentions and you know abuse their children uh, just to, 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 to try to make money and it's just a weird ecosystem that has you know become a thing because of youtube so i, I sorry i feel like i went on a tangent on that one but it's a big issue yeah it's a big issue and one that we've spoken about before in other episodes uh, i think that probably puts a bow on this episode but we'd love to hear what you think about it so please get in touch with us and you can email us hello at video insiders fm we are at video insiders 
on Twitter. And no doubt once this episode is live, it'll also be posted on LinkedIn, where I think this will also start off another great conversation. So make sure you're connected to me, Tom Martin, and Carlos Pacheco over on LinkedIn too. All right. Well, it's a great conversation. Uh, once again, uh, we want to say thanks to TubeBuddy, the team at TubeBuddy for supporting the show. We have a very special uh, network offer on Video Insiders. Just go to videoinsiders.fm slash TubeBuddy and you will find an exclusive offer uh, with a discounted uh, rate for joining TubeBuddy and having the TubeBuddy tools for your channel or your network. Yeah, um, before you go, please consider leaving us a rating or review on the podcast app that you're using to listen to our beautiful voices uh, and do share this on social or with a friend. Thank you very much. Have a good one, Tom. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.